fall New Hampshire sports championship season. On this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum, we've got an old favorite guest host joining us, Jim Tufts, and a newbie, a brand new addition to our uh, our, our team of experts. And uh, this gentleman is the senior sports writer for Seacoast Online. You've seen his byline in the uh, Portsmouth Herald, Foster's Democrat, Jay Pinsano. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the Seaco Sports Forum. Thanks for having me. Uh, a very honor to be on here with you and uh, Coach Tufts. Coach has got a lot of experience, and we're going to be leaning on him a lot. But I'm going to start off with you. I'm going to start off with you. We had a big weekend uh, in in Exeter and uh, Hampton. Uh, the big rivalry, which, uh, well, you, I got to give you a lot of props, my friend. You called it. I was listening the other night uh, to the broadcast you did with our friends from uh, Friday Night Lights, New Hampshire, and you said it would be a one-score game, and that's what it turned out to be. And the kind of Warriors are going into the championship, uh, Division One championship game against Londonderry. You were there. Give us a little perspective of what you saw, and, and then we'll take it a step further. Yeah, I think uh, anytime Exeter and Winnicott has faced off over the years on the football field, one team could be six and oh, one team could be five and or one and five. And it's always going to come, come down a one or two plays in a one score game. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday. Um, Exeter jumped out first and when it kind of tied it, Exeter went out, went up again, 14, seven and when it kind of tied it. And uh, I think the big turning point of that game was when uh, it was early, you know, it was late third quarter. Blue Hawks had the ball around midfield, Evan Pafford, uh, dropped back to pass, was intercepted by uh, Jack McCann. And when it kind of got the ball back around midfield, a couple runs later, a big run from Jack's twin brother, Tucker McCann, brought it down to, I think, the four-yard line and then to end the third quarter. Then I think the second play of the fourth quarter, Winnicott it went up for the first time in that game on, the, on a four-yard touchdown run by Tucker, uh, Tucker McCann, who had tied the game earlier in the third quarter at 14-14. And I think once Winnicott was able to take its first lead of the game, they were able to hold on. And uh, just looking at the notes after the game, it was just um, Exeter ran 26 plays in the game compared to 70 from Winnicott. Winnicott had a 36 and change um time possessions compared to like 11 minutes for Exeter and the Exeter defense played phenomenal the entire, they were just on the field so long in that game. And when it kind of was able to get some long sustained drives and was able to just do enough to get to, uh, to win that game and to advance to the division one state championship, which ironically will be at Exeter high school. this year. <laughs> um, yeah. It's always great for Winnicott to get to the, uh, the championship game, but I think they'll have a little weird feeling playing in that game on the home sidelines Yeah, their high school on Saturday afternoon when they face London there. I was asking Jeff Collins about that, and I guess this is the way it's going to be for the, you know, somewhere down the, the in the future. They may change it back to the UNH, but for the time being, this is the, the, the format. They're going to be going to a neutral uh, field. Uh, but in a, in a way, it really isn't. <laughs> I mean, it's an easy commute for the folks from, from Hampton, that's for sure. <laughs> and I was going to say now, Londonderry, uh, on the other side, obviously a tough, tough team. Uh, and they earned their way in by being the Salem Blue Devils. Uh, 
taking a look at that matchup, you've got the Warriors trying to keep it going for a, a perfect season and, and a championship for Division One, and you got a team, London Dairy, that would like to take a knock them off. And they're yeah. strong contenders. What's your what's your take there? What what is Winnipeg going to have to do to prevent that from happening? I think ever since the beginning of the season started, um, you talked to a lot of coaches around the state and everyone thought it very well could be Winnicutta and Londonderry in the final game. And it played out that way. Winnicutta is 11 and 0. Londonderry's 10 and 1. They were able to get some revenge against Salem last week with their only regular season loss to Salem. And I think the big key for Winnicutta this Saturday will be uh, holding on to the football and not turning the ball over. This past Saturday against Exeter was the first time in the in the in the uh, season that Winnicott did not have a turnover in the game, and um, I think that is the key for this week. Just hold on to the ball and just keep chewing up yards. They have six running backs back there that they rotate in and picking up three, four, five yards at a time. And if they can run those long, sustained drives, I think, and hold on to the football, I think that gives the Warriors a uh, very good chance at uh, winning their first state championship since the undefeated season of uh, 2017. The field, uh, it amazed me the condition, was, the field was in good shape after the rains that we had had the night before. Uh, I think the, those of us that bleed Blue Hawk Blue mm -hmm. were thinking, gee, if, they, if that's a wet track, yeah. three yards in a cloud of dust could be three yards in a clump of mud and Correct. it would be in our favor. So Coach Tufts, you've, you've worked with Coach Ball and, uh, you know, win, win or lose, this guy has always been class. He, he always just exudes class when it comes to taking defeat. And I'll read a quote that was in the, the paper, but you've, you've worked with him over the years. Tell us about how he reacts to his team and how, how he coaches his team. Well, it's pretty simple. If you had a son or a daughter, uh, you'd want him to hang out with Billy Ball. Simple mm -hmm. as that. I mean, he just, uh, he gets it right. Every day of the week, um, regardless of the situation, if it's going well, if kids are out of line, if um, whatever the situation is, uh, Billy always is a is a steady steady ship and in, uh, in the wind and uh, and makes it a positive experience for uh, every kid. Um, so um, you, you know, you just kids kids benefit from spending time with Bill Ball and his crew. And, uh, you know, and it filters down. Uh, everybody that helps him and assists with him uh, sending the same message. And it comes from the top and, uh, you know, he just, uh, he gets it right every day. One thing that was in the paper in Seacoast Online, I just want to quote, uh, and Jay had it in his column uh, from Coach Ball. Uh, it was a great high school game, a big rivalry game. Said Coach Ball, the senior class has given so much, it's hard to be displeased. It's a great group of guys. And, and I know from personal experience, having been at some of the end of the season, uh, soirees, banquets, whatever we want to call them, that, you know, he always treats that when a kind of rivalry with total respect. It's a good, healthy rivalry. Let's put oh, it's it a wonderful rivalry. And, uh, and, you know, I always used to say to the kids, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, bragging rights against your best friend or against your kid right. brother or whatever it is exactly. you know, for a year. Um, somebody's, somebody's going to have the upper hand and, uh, you kind of always want to have that upper hand. So, um, those are pretty special. And I've been on both sides of them. I started my career over there and mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's wonderful people at both schools. And, 
you know, Jay said, tee it up. It's going to be a game. You know, pick, pick the sport. It's going to be, you know, and my inside sources talking to people, uh, talking to a friend yesterday was uh, the Jay right on the two key, key things. One was the uh, Exeter defense couldn't get off the field and uh, Exeter was looking for a turnover or two because when it kind of has and when it kind of had no turnovers and those were the two keys to the game as far as, you know, the Exeter folks saw it after it was over. Now, Jay, you had an interesting column and uh, I wanted to bring it up that I think it's six of those players that are on the winter kind of warrior team literally have not only grown up on the gridiron, but also as, as neighbors are in the same neighborhood. Right. Tell us about those guys. Yeah. That's uh, it's the McCann, it's the, it's the McCann twins, which are actually triplets. Um, they, they have a brother Levon who does not play football, but you got Tucker McCann, you got Jack McCann and across the street from them lives uh, Zach Fredericks and Jake Fredericks and down the hill and just to the left across the street, you got uh, another senior, Chris Capizzuto. And then across the street from Chris, you have another senior, Xander Ardrazoni. And um, those kids have, are at one bus stop since they were in third grade. And they would spend every morning at the bus stop throwing the football around. And they, um, as Tucker said in the story, like, it was one December winter day and the bus was like an hour late and they were all excited because that gave them another hour to play football together. So um, these kids have grown up together. They're best friends um, on the field. They're best friends off the field. They hang out together all the time. They go out to dinner with each other. They're always at each other's houses. They're always at um, um everybody's yards playing football, basketball, whatever. And these group of six kids, uh, all starters um, have grown up together. And I think that's where they have a really special bond. And I thought that was a pretty interesting story. And I met all the kids after, after practice one day and went over to the bus stop and we kind of recreated the photo from the, from the photo of first day of school five years ago and the smallest kid in the photo who's the only non-senior jake fredericks is now the biggest kid of all six <laughs> so um he's i think he's like six three 250 pounds and um he's a very good baseball player uh i think he could be a, a he's showing people he can also play football they're all great athletes all have opportunities to play beyond the high school level in football or baseball or I, I think Chris Capizzuto's got some looks from some powerlifting uh, uh, programs out, out in the Midwest. Uh, just a great uh, brotherhood of friends who just happen to live in the same neighborhood across the street from each other who have had a very special season this year for the Winnicott High School football team. It's a great column. It really is. And, and uh, I, you know, for those guys and for the whole team, obviously, but those guys in particular would be a good way to cap it off with, with that undefeated championship season. And uh, I know I, I don't want to be accused of being a turncoat because I'm not. But on the other hand, if I have to see a team win and we aren't there, I want it to be the Warriors. So uh, good luck to those, not just those six guys, obviously that yeah. team is stacked this year and, and, uh, and they, and they deserve good things. Uh, and, and, and coach, 
you you know we've been there in the same position and and uh, the undefeated seasons we've had and, and you know it's it's not easy and and to, to cap it off that way that's what you want to do you know? well, that's a special that's a special story you know that's a group of kids that truly have each other's back so that's pretty special now, speaking of guys that have got a challenge coming up and and would change sports now to soccer unh wildcats uh while the while the patriots were taking care of the cleveland browns the uh UNH Wildcat men's soccer team was taking on the uh, Vermont Catamounts and uh, for the American East title. And it went down to just the last few minutes and the Catamounts came on top one, nothing with the American East championship. Of course, that doesn't end the season for UNH. The Wildcats are, are a team going into the, uh, the NCAA tournament. The 16 overall seed and getting a first round bye is New Hampshire. Despite a one zero loss to Vermont in the America East finals, New Hampshire is in. That was their only loss of the season. They are 42-2-7 all-time in games at Wildcat Stadium, third in the country in goal differential. Congratulations to New Hampshire. Any takeoff on what's coming up? We'll start with you. You're the, you're the guru of soccer. It's <laughs> really been a thrill uh, to watch uh, Jake and UNH the last five years. I mean, it's been special. I mean, uh, for me, I mean, I played, I played at UNH back in the seventies. So obviously it's a uh, pretty solid spot in my heart, but to have Jake uh, there the last five years has been pretty special. And so uh, we haven't missed Leslie, Matt and I haven't missed many games. And uh, we had our top, top shelf seats uh, Sunday and it was a very well played game. Uh, it was Vermont played extremely well, especially defensively. Uh, the goal was a beautiful goal, uh, great strike, uh, and um, you know it was a good win. It was a well-earned win uh, for UVM, and uh, you know a tough loss for for the Cats. Uh, you know, and you really in the regular last two years regular season uh, they haven't lost a game, so um, you know tough one. It's a really good team. Uh, Mark Hubbard has done a tremendous job. Um, building that group and uh, he benefited from the COVID situation because that group who some of them were grad students last year and should have moved on got to stay for a year. They've had um, the benefit of experience. Uh, mm -hmm. and they're deep. They're deep in a number of players, places. Uh, the one negative yesterday was um, Yannick Bright, who's a sophomore midfielder from Italy, uh, tremendous player, uh, tremendous America East midfielder of the year. Uh, and he went out in the first half with an injury and did not come back. Um, and when I texted with Jake last night, said uh, they were going to have to look at it. So um, hopefully, uh, whatever amount of time they have, uh, he'll be able to, to mend. Uh, certainly, Lots of candidates to fill his spot, but awfully good player. Jay, what's your take on on what's happening with the Wildcats soccer? Yeah, um, Al Pike was there for us yesterday, and I think the uh, the most uh, uh, but telling fact that Al shared was that after talking with Coach Hubbard after the game, yes, they were very disappointed in the loss. They did not. They went into that game expecting another America East championship, but the but the bright side that Coach Hubbard shared was he still believed that the Wildcats have done enough during the regular season to warrant a first round buy and the ability to host a game in the second round. 
So that was the take from uh, coach after the game, like disappointed with the loss, but hopeful that they were able to uh, do enough during the regular season uh, to get a home game at Wildcat Stadium and and uh, get a first round by. Good luck to number seven, Jake Gould, Exeter Zone, and uh, the captain of uh, the Wildcats. And we will we'll obviously be talking about them more in a future show. Uh, I want to shift gears again to hockey, another sport where Coach Tufts is, is our resident expert. Uh, the Bruins in particular, let's go with the, the Bruins. The uh, first time they've played the Montreal Canadiens in 640 some odd days, uh, they came out on top of their contest five to two. It's kind of refreshing to see that rivalry back again, huh? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, this it's the new normal for us. Um, you know, they, they were Canadian group. It was kind of special last year because, um, you know, obviously hockey being Canada's game um, up in Canada, you always had the, you know, who was the, who are the powers? Was it out in Edmonton and Calgary? out in Vancouver, or did it always reside in Montreal and Toronto um, and back East? And, and where they were all in different divisions, you, you never really had the opportunity to uh, match up in a playoff situation to really the Stanley Cup final. And that just didn't happen that often. So last year with the COVID situation and nobody being able to uh, Drop below the border, um, the all the Canadian teams were in the same bracket, mm -hmm. and that was pretty. If you uh, talk to any hockey purists up in Canada, that was a big deal. That was a big deal that uh, they were playing each other to see who was going to come out of the Canadian division. Um, that was pretty special last year, and um, you know Canadians had a great run with. Uh, Carey Price and, um, you know, it was special. But, uh, you know, Montreal, Boston, it's an original six. Um, those old timers like myself and um, others remember the original six. And, uh, and those are pretty special games. So it, was, it actually was a great week for the Bruins because, uh, you know, they had Ottawa and that was a fight. Um, they had Connor McDavid uh, in the garden. And Connor McDavid is a must see. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and the Edmonton Oilers are special. Uh, Connor, you know, get these athletes um, that these are all pro athletes. Name the sport tennis, golf, uh, hockey, football. But then there are some athletes that are just special. And Connor McDavid is one of those. Um, you know, he's got, I think, 28 points maybe in the first 10 or 11 games. And, uh, you know, there was a highlight goal that's been flashing on ESPN where he just embarrassed four uh, New York Rangers uh, last weekend. And so he was in the garden. It was a great game. Uh, it was 2-2. And Edmonton pulled away and won 5-2. And I think that stung Cassidy and the boys a little bit. And uh, so not only was the Canadians game special being coming back to that rivalry, but um, they were going to have a better third period than they did Thursday night. And um, they did they had a great third period. So, uh, you know, it was great. The original six, 
like I say, for we old timers, the original six are special. What about Swayman and Goal? Uh, Tuka Rask, yeah. obviously not there anymore. So what what what's your take on Swayman? I like I like him. You know, he's he has never knock on wood, he has never lost a game in TD uh, Garden. He has never lost a game from all last year and this year. Um, he's going to be a good one. You know, I think they, they you know, they're going to have him for short money for a little while. Um, and, uh, but uh, he's a keeper. He's a guy that they're going to have to hang on. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with Rask. Um, the four-year deal with Allmark, and I like uh, Allmark. I think he's going to be a good goalie. But the four-year deal is kind of puzzling because I really think Tuca wants to come back. You know, he said, I'm not going to play for anybody else. I'm not looking to play for anybody else. And he's currently working out at Warrior Ice Arena. And the Bruins are letting him work out. And he's working out with Essena, uh, the 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 goalie coach and you know they're looking at mid to late january and i think he wants to come back and with swayman and allmark playing as well as they are i don't know that there's room and uh, it oh, yeah I, I don't know what's going to happen Jay, I know for a fact, because you told me that you're a season ticket holder to the Buffalo Bills, so football is obviously one of your faves. So let's shift gears and, and throw that at you. Uh, Patriots, Bills, that's going to be probably uh, one of those two teams going to the dance down the road. What, so far, what you've seen from the Patriots and even the Bills, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm only I'm only a Bills season ticket holder by default, so I'm, I'm a diehard Pats fan. So uh, Okay, <laughs> we've clarified that. Uh, <laughs> Patriots are a uh, they're playing well right now I think if anyone who's seen Mac Jones playing the last month uh, uh, they're six and four right now but they could easily be nine and one you take away that first game against Miami when Damian Harris fumbled the you hit uh, and then they played Tom Brady tough when they played Tampa Bay they easily could have won that game then if Nick folks uh, hits that uh, field goal and not the post against the Cowboys uh, you could say the Patriots could be nine and one right now. They're playing very well. Mac Jones is, I think, showing a lot of people that he may be the best quarterback down the road. He may be the best quarterback of this quarterback draft with, uh, with Trevor Lawrence and Alex Wilson and uh, Trey Lance and, and Fields. I think uh, Mac Jones could be the best one of that group when all the, when all the careers are done, but uh, they're playing well. And they're running back yesterday with Harris out with a concussion. Uh, Stevenson, a rookie from from uh, Oklahoma, he had a he had a tremendous game. And mm. from the Patriots yesterday was when Jacoby Myers scored his first NFL touchdown of his career. The entire team ran from the sidelines over to congratulate him in the end zone. There was no one left on the sidelines. They all went to congratulate Jacoby Myers in the end zone. And I think that really shows a lot how close this team is and friendships that these that these guys have. So. Right now, the uh, I don't think the I think the Bills are still the favorite to win the AFC East. Um, the Patriots have two games left, uh, or they haven't played them yet, so they have both games remaining against Buffalo. The first one being a Monday night in December in Buffalo, and um, another one at Foxborough later on. And uh, I think I think Buffalo is still the favorite, but the Pats are right there. They're playing well, and I don't think uh, I don't think anyone would want to 
play the Patriots in the in the playoffs. They're not Tom Brady, but Mac Jones is Mac Jones has this team and I and they're playing well right now. Coach, what's your take on the Pats so far? Well, Ryan, Ryan Clark on ESPN this morning had a, just an absolutely great point. <clears throat> Mac Jones is a perfect fit in the Patriots system. You know that he was saying somebody should have taken him earlier just so he couldn't get the Belichick and McDaniels. But uh, you know, he just he, he's a perfect fit. He can he can make all the plays that he needs to make. He's gonna get better, so he'll make some more plays later on. Um, the the team is built as a football team should be defense first, run game second, and uh, you know, be able to pass the ball some. And you know, that was the that was what they didn't have with Cam Newton. He just couldn't throw the ball, and they had no passing. Uh, because Jones can, it makes the run game better. And the run game makes the pass game better. And mm-hmm. and it's just a perfect fit. Mac Jones uh, at 15 was absolutely a perfect fit for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And they got it going. It's it's kind of fun to it's kind of fun to watch them. Jay, big news. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez has signed with the Detroit Tigers. So we're down a pitcher. What, what 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 do you take on that? Um, Rodriguez pitched well for the Red Sox in his career. We got him from the Orioles when we shifted uh, when we shipped out Andrew Miller. He's uh, he had a great uh, a 19 win season in 2019, and he always showed spots of brilliance, but it was never consistent. Where he would go three innings, and he'd already be at like 80 85 pitching. So um, he had certainly had his moments. He had a great last final start with the Red Sox against the Astros in the ALCS in uh, game three, I believe that was. And uh, um, he did well for the Red Sox, but I think they're going to take that money. They're going to reallocate it. Um, they're they're going to spend the money and they're going to get a pitcher in here. And uh, what I hope they do is Justin Verlander worked out last week for, for teams and he's a free agent now and supposedly him coming off Tommy John and he's uh he was throwing 95, 96. So if you can sign someone like Verlander, I don't know if he has any interest of coming to Boston or if you would write or if you would like to re-sign with Houston. Um, I'd like to see the Red Sox go take a, a flyer on him to see if he has anything left. And I think he's a very competitive big game pitcher, uh, probably going to Cooperstown once he once he calls it a career. And even if they don't uh, go get an established veteran. Uh, I liked what the Red Sox saw from Tanner Tanner Houck this year. Um, there's been talk about moving Garrett Whitlock from the uh, from the bullpen into the starters rotation. So if you can go, if you don't, if you stay put with with the pitchers you have and reallocate that money they were going to spend on Erods elsewhere, if you can go into the 2022 season with a rotation of Evaldi and Sale and Pavetta and Halk and Whitlock, that's not a bad five right there. Um, obviously, if you move Whitlock from the bullpen, there's a big, uh, there's a big missing piece there. Um, but, but 12 months ago, no one, no one had heard of Garrett Whitlock before. So um, he was a nice pickup from the Yankee organization as a Rule Five pick. And uh, who knows, maybe there's another Garrett Whitlock type of player coming in this season. So uh, one thing I do know about the Red Sox, they will spend the money. So they're going to, they're going to bring someone in there. Well, coach and I, before, before we went on air here, we were talking about the, uh, 
Carlos Correa sweepstakes. Uh, the Yankees obviously looking for a shortstop. The Red Sox have a shortstop, but they could potentially put him there and then shift to Xander to second. That's one of the, the scenarios. Um, the the deal is though, uh, it's it's uh, and Correa having played with Cora helps. Mm-hmm. But it's a need thing. Three hundred million bucks—that's a lot of dough. Uh, coach, what do you? What do you? Would you spend three hundred million to, for a shortstop? I hope they sign Rafi Devers to it. He's the guy I want. Okay. You know, they, they, I think they got to lock him up. It can't be another Mookie Betts thing. And you know, let's get a couple pieces here and there. Um, I don't think they need Correa. I love Bogarts. I'd let him play as long at that spot as he wants to because he checks all the boxes offensively, defensively leadership. Um, but I think the key is uh, making sure Rafi Devers is in that spot for the next 10 years. As we were talking before, you know, he's, he's a future big, uh, big pappy too. You know, he's, he's got a bat that uh, you can depend on down the road too. So you're right. I'm, that's, that's where I would think I would prioritize dough being spent. Another name of pitching name, uh, Jay, been brought up is Stephen Matz. That's another one they've been yeah. keeping an eye on too. So we shall see. Well, gentlemen, this has been a good show. Uh, we, uh, as I was explaining to Jay, we do the two minute drill where we just throw anything on the table. We want to uh, coach. I'm going to put you on the spot in the first hole today. Glad to be. So I want to give uh, big props to Mark Hubbard in the Wildcat soccer. I think so. Mark's a local kid, you know, Oyster River high school, uh, Colgate came back as an assistant, went off to snoo and won a national title. And, and Mark has done an absolutely, in his staff with uh, Rich Weinrieb and, and Dave Williams and the crew, an uh, absolutely wonderful job of building a program. As Pete Webster and I were talking the other day, uh, or yesterday, um, you know, that's a team that gone the NCAAs maybe once. And here he is, he's looking to go for fifth year in a row. And he's, and Mark being a New Hampshire kid has, kept the integrity, you know, here you got Jake Gould, Exeter, mm-hmm. um, New Hampshire. Um, Liam Bennett started a left back from Concord High School. Chris Pinkham's a Concord kid who's been a key point. There, there was a game a couple of years ago when Jake was say a sophomore, they went in overtime and Mark had seven New Hampshire kids on the field going in overtime in a very uh, important game. And he's done that being um, paying attention to the local kids that can play along with finding a goalie from UAE, finding a German transfer, you know, senior transfer players and, and uh, the French kids up top uh, have been outstanding. And, you know, he's, he's really done the, the Bridger Hansen from Utah. Um, and just, he's done a, a, a more than admirable job of building a program that's become a national level program that involves New Hampshire kids along with international talent. And uh, he deserves all props in the world. And it's been a lot of fun watching him and I wish him the best. The journey continues. Jay, two minute drill time for you. All right. Uh, Last Wednesday was national Letter of Intent signing day. We had a lot in the Seacoast here with various sports. We had uh, six kids from Exeter uh, sign their NLIs last week. Uh, a Sydney, a Sydney LaValle track and field, Aiden Drunzik, men's lacrosse, Maggie Hall, 
women's soccer and uh, Emily Lapia uh, lacrosse and Parker Lendrum for baseball and Aaron McElroy for lacrosse. And uh, uh, there's so many kids in the Seacoast now. They're, they're going on and they're playing beyond the high school level. And we had – so all those six were great. There were various kids from, from other schools. We had one, uh, Tag Healy, a senior at St. Thomas, who's going to go play for Coach Hubbard next year at UNH for soccer. Um, but I think the two – the high ones of the week – were Josh Morissette, Exeter's, uh, Exeter's favorite son, Josh Morissette signing his uh, uh, NLI to play men's basketball at Wofford College down at Spartanburg, uh, South Carolina. We just uh, posted a story on Josh right before this show started this morning. Um, so that's online, Josh taking his basketball skills down there. And then secondly, there was a Winnicunna kid, uh, Joe Allen, a right-handed senior pitcher, 6'4", 230, 235, signed his uh, NLI to go play baseball at the University of Michigan. Um, he verbally committed to them the, his, uh, after his freshman season, and uh, he signed his commit letter to Michigan last Friday. And some think Joe may not even go to Michigan if, if, he, uh, if he gets drafted high enough. I, there's been talk uh, he could get drafted in the first round next summer. So. Uh, there's a lot of talent here on the seacoast and it's a pleasure to watch for me as a sports writer to watch these kids uh, develop their skills at the high school level when either freshman sophomore junior whatever year it is and then enjoy these days with their families when they sign their uh, national letter of intents to go play their sport of choice at the college that they think is best for them you brought up a good point uh, jay that a lot of these kids are going to go on to college and play. Uh, I always talk at the banquet to the kids that high school is going to be their high watermark. And, and I'll, and I'll speak to those kids from the Winnicott warrior team that, that, that give it your all. This is, this is the game. They may play in college, but maybe the final game, give it your all. And, and to make the Seacoast proud, the two minute drill, I was going to bring up, something I didn't get to do. And I, I'll look forward to this every year at William Ball Stadium. We usually have a game right around Veterans Day. And I usually, uh, because I'm in the PA booth, I'd like to play, it's a, a, a medley of all the branches of the services marches. And uh, I didn't get to do that this year. We were supposed to do the D3 championship game and it got moved to Bedford. So uh, I just wanted to say a belated thank you to all the veterans currently serving all those men and women to all those who have served and especially those that have given it all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, matter of fact, I uh, got a special guy. I, I dedicate uh, the show today to my 98 year old uncle still hanging in there. It'll be 99 in December. Thank you for your service, uncle Phil. All right. That's it. Uh, great show, gentlemen, coach Tufts. You'll be back soon because we're getting into We'll get into the soccer for sure. And then we'll get hockey coming up real soon on the Blue Hawk level and the Seacoast level. And and it was really fun to have Jay uh, on today. Jay Pinsonall from the, uh, well, seacoastonline.com is where they'll see your, your stuff, but also in the papers, Portsmouth Herald, and also uh, the Fosters. Uh, I want you to come back anytime. Uh, it's an open invitation because I want to talk about sports journalism uh, and, and, you know, your take right here on the Seacoast. You really, you, you do some nice pieces and I enjoy reading them like that one today about the uh, six players from the Warriors that are going into the championship game. 
love your stuff. So thank you for joining us today. And on behalf of Coach and Jay, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us on our next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum. Be sure to subscribe to Exeter TV on YouTube and hit the bell to get notified about new episodes of the Seacoast Sports Forum and other local content. Follow the Sports Forum team behind the scenes on our Facebook and Twitter pages and send us your game footage and photos to our email. That's seacoastsportsforum.extv at gmail.com. This is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum. <laughs>